0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Red Dwarf Cast, where sometimes we talk about Red Dwarf, but today we have something special. We are going to interview uh, comedy music superstars Paul and Storm. Uh, so happy Hello. to have you on.
1: Hello. Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks for you. having us.
0: Well, thank you for making the time. Um, so, uh, as you know, we're a fan podcast uh, podcast dedicated to the BBC comedy sci-fi show Red Dwarf, and we review each episode. Um we don't talk about series ten because we haven't quite gotten there yet. But um, <laughs> Storm, uh, if I've heard correctly, you're a fan of the show. I, I would describe myself as
1: a casual fan. Um, I was uh, I became aware of Red Dwarf a number of years ago. I don't remember what channel that they were airing it on, um, but I was I was quite drawn to it uh, mm-hmm. because it had that that sense of humor that. You found in Hitchhikers, where it wasn't the the super serious future, that it was just a lot of fun with great characters.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, probably on PBS is where it aired here most in the States.
1: It probably was.
0: I would guess, yeah. Uh, but we will get to more Red Dwarf in a minute. First off, um Angela and I are fans of yours. Shane is as well. Um, I certainly am. Uh, we first saw you, Angela and I, at uh, DragonCon a few years back. You were oh yeah, backing Will Wheaton as he was recounting his famous meeting with William Shatner. Yes, oh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs>
2: that, that's, that's, that's a sordid tale. Indeed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so if any of you on the internets have not ever uh, heard of that tale, it's, it's widely available in several of uh, Mr. Wheaton's books. I uh, would highly recommend that, but... Um, yes. Aside, though, so you're best known for your your music and your comedy, but you've got a new project uh, that you've done recently, and that's Learning Town. Mm -hmm. Would you like to talk a bit about that?
2: Sure. Uh, Learning Town is a web series, a musical, 10-episode web series that we did for the Geek and Sundry YouTube channel, which is, of course, run by Felicia Day. All hell Felicia Uh, Day, yes. (laughs) Yes. And uh, it was a whole lot of fun to do. We actually, a year ago... We we had just finished up making it, and it came out in early 2013. And it's about uh, it's about a comedy music duo named Paul and Storm, which was a stretch for us. That's an <laughs>
0: unlikely premise, I must say. Yeah, yeah. Where, crazy. Uh, basically Paul and Storm uh, take over
2: uh, through a series of of, of uh, reasons take over a long running children's television show after the original host dies, even though they are completely ill equipped or trained to do so. Uh, and it just sort of follows uh, our our characters' learning curve, uh, <laughs> and there's numerous other characters involved trying to sort of keep the ship afloat, so to speak. Um, but it's lots of fun, and it's a musical. There's there's at least one oh, yes. song in every episode, and it was a stinking ton of fun to make.
0: <laughs> and I, I think my favorite. And the <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I think my favorite part of that had to have been the rival uh, uh, children's network uh, with the hipsters. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bird, yes
3: indeed.
2: that indeed. was a lot of fun to write. That was the brainchild of our head writer Josh Kagan, um really sort of ran forward with that whole uh especially that that plot element he that that came all from him as far as you know having the rivals who are who are the the more sort of hipster, randomy children's television show, whereas the uh, Learning town, the show that we take over is very much more sort of Mr Rogers' uh ish. <coughs> sort of gentler with puppets and such but uh yeah that was those, those songs and scenes were so fun to write and be in with those two actors who didn't know each other before uh, had never worked with each other before doing the series which is amazing to me because they just seemed like a long-running wow. comedy team when we were filming scenes we ruined a lot of takes giggling at them
3: <laughs> wow. that's ha- that's actually how i got introduced to you two actually through learning town oh, oh excellent
0: yeah. that's great Array so, for the internet! Indeed, indeed yes! Woo! Well, the reason, or part of the reason, anyway, that you're here today is your newest uh, upcoming project, Ball Pit, uh, which you have had amazing support for from your Kickstarter, it looks like, so far.
1: Yes, uh, we, gosh, we have the best fans in the world. Um to start with, Ball Pit is our fifth album, and it's going to have a bunch of songs that um, some of which we have released already, and many of which have never been heard yet on uh, in recorded form. And we decided that instead of just releasing the album like like we normally or like bands normally would, that we wanted to do other things to make it go further, like music videos. And uh, there's an app that we've always developed, wanted to develop that is related to. Uh, some of the music on ball pit and so we put it out there and we set an initial goal and now we've almost tripled that goal and we have all these incredible projects that are going to keep us busy for probably at least the next six months
0: wonderful wonderful Wonderful. but i would uh, highly encourage our fans if you haven't yet uh go check out the kickstarter um uh, we have definitely uh loved these guys for a long time we hope you can show them a little bit of love too um that would be nice it would, it would. Uh, so you have toured before in the, the UK, you were saying, uh, before the show. We have, yes. Um, well, yeah. Most of our listeners are UK-based, and so this this is going to be important to them. Um, okay. I've heard Stephen Fry talk about this before, but I wanted to ask you guys, uh, as comedians who have toured in the UK, what is the difference between the US sense of humor and the UK sense of humor, if there is one?
1: I. It's funny, because we travel in geek and nerd circles primarily and it seems like <coughs> there is so much more commonality and common language and sensibility that both uh u.s nerds and uk nerds tend to be the brainier people um and that because of that, end focused on a lot of the same culture like i think it's terrific that Red Dwarf and Doctor Who, like a lot of the British mm-hmm. sci-fi, is huge in the U.S. now, even more so than we were kids. Like probably the biggest British export, when, UK export when we were growing up, was Monty Python, which is part of our yes, DNA. Indeed, and,
2: and and Benny Hill, but we won't speak of that yes, quite, <laughs> quite so much. <laughs> a little less nerdy,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that I think the similarities are much greater than the differences. Yeah,
2: I agree. Ooh. We've we certainly heard from comedian like stand up friends of ours that that performing stand up comedy in England is is kind of a different animal because apparently those audiences uh, tend to be in the UK a little more uh, I don't know aggressive maybe is the right word. It's 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 definitely you know, they they said they feel like they have to work a lot harder. Like like UK audiences will call a comedian out uh, a lot more readily if they if they don't think they're funny apparently. But uh, certainly in our experience um both both our u- US and u k fans have been very friendly and open and they 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 love they both seem to equally love silly stuff which is kind of nice because <laughs> uh, a lot of our stuff can get kind of ridiculous and silly because that's what we think is funny among other things
3: it's quite interesting that it, you actually say um growing up uh watching the british television programs that dr Who you mentioned um as the only english person on this podcast <laughs> um uh, <laughs> When I grew up, at the moment anyway. Was, well, indeed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I grew up, it was actually much more of the American science fiction programs, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, Land of, uh, Time Tunnel. Yeah, like right, Land of right. Giants.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right, right.
3: Uh, like Voice, the Bottom of the Sea. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, I would think, to me certainly, the appeal for things like Doctor Who. Uh, and Monty Python and shows like that, growing up, is there was that sort of the, the sense of the exotic to them, like they weren't like mm-hmm. anything else that was on your television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suppose the same could be said uh, when you're growing up over in the UK. You know, these American shows, they have There's a diff- slightly different sensibility. There's a different look and feel. Not to mention the obvious stuff like you know they're they're speaking in different accents, <laughs> yes. which is which is which is neat and exotic and fancy. <laughs> uh, and of course, and of
1: course, we also watch all of the. The American uh, sci-fi shows as well. Oh yeah. But um, yeah. I feel like it's 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 good uh, to be a, a a well-rounded nerd and sample from everything that's out there.
0: Indeed. So yeah. So nerddom is the universal language now. I like it. It's very hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Empress Felicia Day, let's go for it. Um, so, <laughs> well, if we can, I'm sure, uh, I'm
2: sure she'll be pleased to have been referred to as Empress. <laughs> See,
0: um, <coughs> Excuse me. So we decided to come up with a couple of interview questions here that were slightly Red Dwarfish, just to, mm-hmm. to fit our theme. Uh, sure. The first one that I had was, um, well, I guess the obvious one. Uh, so, Storm, who is your favorite Red Dwarf character and why? And Paul, since you, you're not as familiar with Red Dwarf, feel free to make up a character that you feel should be on the show. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like Rimmer.
1: Um, yes. Just the, the whole... The whole yes. concept is so cool. <laughs> Not just the concept that you have this guy. It, it's like it's taking a concept, a trope, and turning it, turning it on its head. That it's this ultimate dream of many nerds to be able to be projected into the future. But who gets projected into the future? A fussy guy who often does all of the right things for all of the wrong reasons. And I think that's beautiful.
0: Aww. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'd say my favorite character I would like to see, uh, is a character named Paul Saborin, who is a dashing, <laughs> charming space pirate <laughs> in a Han Solo-like, uh, manner. Uh, that, Man, that would be pretty cool to me, I think.
0: Awesome. <laughs> um, so, speaking of Rimmer, then, um, and if, if, you're not familiar with Red Dwarf, this question won't make quite as much sense, but bear with me. So, you find yourself the last survivor on a ship stranded in space, um, alone on a very lonely star voyage. Um, this ship's computer is going to bring back a hologram of one person with all of its memories and personality to keep you company. But you can only have one person to keep you sane uh, and to talk to for the possibly the rest of your life unless you run into anybody else hanging around in space. So who do you choose?
1: The first uh, name that came to mind is Neil Gaiman. Nice. And- oh,
0: nice. Mm.
1: In nice, part... Nice. Because you would have an infinite number of stories, because even if he went through his entire catalog of stories, he could create an infinite number of interesting ones after. And just that he has a very calm uh, and reassuring manner that uh, I think you would need to keep you sane in the vacuum of space.
0: Nice. Nice. So today we're going to read Sandman 2, The Return of the Sandman. And mm-hmm. yes, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, are you, oh, are you, are you waiting oh, yes, for an answer yes, from yes, me? Yes. I'm sorry, please, please. Um, uh,
2: I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking up the name real quick. Uh, uh, I, well, I would like. Uh, the the voice of the book from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the original radio series. <laughs> Is Steven that Peter per-
0: Jones? Oh, H- no. yeah, Peter Jones. Sorry. It's Peter, Peter Jones.
2: Jones. Yes. yes. I mean but I wouldn't want Peter Jones. I would want the book from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, <laughs> but but voiced by Peter Jones. Nice. <laughs> for many for many of the same reasons as Storm says, but also because I would like to I would like to hear uh every possible entry from from the Hitchhiker's Guide.
0: <laughs> that would definitely be a good way to spend uh eternity alone is with an infinite book. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> of course then, you know, like it well, I don't know, your glasses wouldn't break, uh, but I don't know. Maybe the the speaker shorts out. There you go. Yeah,
2: there'd be there'd be yeah. some other kind of twilight zony twist to it. Yes.
1: Um isn't aliens. An infinite oh, so book ahead, just the internet? <laughs> well pretty <laughs> isn't much. an infinite book just the internet. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It kind
0: of, yeah.
2: yeah but that, I want an infinite uh, accurate book that doesn't have a comment section
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lame Burst. firsties Yes uh, um,
1: aliens, do they exist? Yes or no? Okay, I'm gonna go nerdy on you a bit. Uh, do you mean extraterrestrial intelligence? I or do. just extra in- you do Yes. Um, <laughs> I believe that yes, just the vast numbers you're talking about, even considering, all of the things that have to be stable and correct for long enough for life itself and then intelligent life to evolve. I'm not certain how far out you would have to go to find other intelligent life that is that exists right now, since we have no idea how long intelligence lasts before it might perhaps uh, snuff itself out. <laughs> uh, but I have no doubt that certainly the process of life and that it would lead to intelligence um, is, a, is likely.
0: Okay.
2: Paul? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Storm on that. Yeah, just the math, uh, the math on it is such that there has to be some sort of intelligent life out there. Now, that said, I do not believe that they are constantly uh, uh, digging crop circles in rural areas.
3: <laughs>
1: yes.
2: Uh, I don't think that, I don't know that they've, I don't believe that they've ever visited Earth Uh, Because the math on that is equally unlikely um, or or is as unlikely as it is likely that there is intelligence out there. uh, But I definitely believe that it's out there.
1: What kind of forehead bumps do you think they have? (laughs) Oh, the most regal, prominent forehead bumps. (laughs) I, I I think that the human race is unique in having foreheads. And that mm-hmm. that is what uh, that's what makes us best, and why we'll conquer everything. Else, I, I believe.
2: A, I believe if if you look at the traditional drawings of aliens, all the rest of them have five heads. <laughs> like they got much more prominent foreheads, uh, and I I, th- I think that is our benefit is, is is having a reasonably sized forehead and
1: balanced. It's much easier to balance mm. four heads than five. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> when you, when Go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. They would try to take over and just bang their head on the doors all the time. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Just like War of the Worlds. Yep. Or
2: they get all embarrassed and grow bangs and and then they can't see so well and they crash their ships.
0: Emo aliens. (laughs) Watch out, folks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Speaking of aliens, then, um, here's the situation. The Earth is doomed. Uh, Maybe we're, excuse me, maybe we're about to be blown up by aliens, uh, but whatever the case, nobody's going to live. Uh, all humanity gone forever, but we're going to send off a pod into space and it's going to have uh, data about Earth, um, our art, our music, our culture, our science, just so that we're not you know, lost forever. Maybe someday somebody will find it and, and will be at least a memory in the great scheme of things. Um, and being the internationally acclaimed musical comedy duo that you are, um, <laughs> you get offered space for one song on the pod. Mm-hmm. That's all that's going to remain. The rest, gone forever with the rest of, of humanity as we explode. What's the one song that best represents Pollen Storm for all time and space?
1: Oh, one of our songs. Yes. Oh, one of
2: our songs. Yes. Oh, that's, yes. that's harder. That changes, that changes all of my mental math mm. until this point. I've been trying yeah, to up with just a song.
1: I had an easy answer if it was just any song, but this is harder.
0: Well, what's, um, what's your any song first, then?
1: Uh, it's Paul McCartney's uh, "Wonderful Christmas Time." Oh my God! You are so <laughs> wrong. Oh you are so wrong in so many ways. And Story, the aliens will then...
0: celebrate our demise greatly because is...
2: because the one song we need to send out is "Total Eclipse of the Heart" by Bonnie Tyler. Ooh.
1: <laughs> I just want to piss off the world. If
0: I've been given so this
2: assignment, want to watch the world burn. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, the, yeah, the, video, uh, the video to that Bonnie Tyler song uh, that does have like crazy glowing eyed school children, tr- they're probably yeah. aliens. Yeah. I don't know what they who, are. Who fly. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I i think for the benefit of Earth, it's probably best that one of our songs not go out there. Uh, just. <laughs> uh, but that said, just like we were talking about um, touring in the UK versus touring in the US. Most of our material translates, but so much of it is culturally specific culture specific that if you didn't know something about nerd geek culture that it might go completely over your head so if you beamed us our song out into space or sent it out that it might be lost on 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 most space aliens Mm. unless there's like a earth's nemesis twin that uh (laughs) that has our culture, but everybody has goatees and Van Dykes. Yes.
3: (laughs) If if I may interject here, just because of the total, nothing more, just because of the total, I would have to say Better Off Dead.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to send that song to space. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, did you have one?
2: Oh, ah, it's hard. it's so hard to pick from among your children's Sophie's uh, Choice. But, yes, uh, yeah, I would say um, uh, if uh, oh uh, if um, if James Taylor were were on fire. Nice.
0: <laughs> All right, so the those are the songs then, folks. If you're not familiar with Paul and Storm, you now have their representative body of for, for space aliens. Uh, so you can go do your homework and check those out. Also, be sure and check out the Ball Pick Kickstarter. You can just uh, Google Paul Storm Kickstarter; should pop right up. Uh, guys, thank you so much for your time. It looks like we've taken up plenty of your time already, but thank you so oh, much no for uh, stopping by. Thank you for and having you at a terrific time. All right. Well, uh, join us next time, as we probably won't have any awesome celebrity interviews again. But hey, uh, we got one, so <laughs> sweet. <laughs>
3: Bye. Bye Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.